Welcome to My Intermission, a podcast conversation about the transitions and changes we face in life and the strategies and approaches that support us in taking the next step in our journey. I'm your host, Colleen Stanovich. On My Intermission podcast today, I'm joined by Leandra Foster. Leandra began her career focusing on the management of money, first as a pension actuary at JP Morgan, and then as a financial planning instructor at Colorado State University. There came a moment, though, when she realized that even though she was adept at managing money, she was uncomfortable with the idea of being wealthy, which explained the continual decline in her income, despite having more experience and credentials. But as she began to explore and shift her own relationship to money, she created Elon Life Consulting, LLC, to help women like herself heal their relationship with money so they can get paid what they're worth. So welcome to my intermission, Leandra. Let's start with a little more about your own story of change in terms of your relationship with money and how that led to professional decisions. Yeah. So like you said, in my introduction, I had that moment and what actually was happening is that I was walking through the student parking lot at Colorado State University and I saw a Maserati in the student parking lot. And I had this moment, which I'm a little embarrassed to admit, but my first thought was, Ah, seriously, who buys their kid a Maserati? But I asked myself another question right after that, which was, hmm, why am I so uncomfortable with wealth? And my first thought was, well, I don't want to have to teach my kids how to be grateful if they have everything handed to them. And I thought, well, that's a really terrible reason not to have anything. And that question really just got me thinking of why am I so uncomfortable with wealth? And that, that really was the entrance into realizing there's more to money than just managing it, but that we actually have a relationship with money. So I, I love that question is digging deep into your, your own relationship with money and what was holding you back. So once you realize that, where did that lead you in terms of your own change? What, what did that prompt for you? More than anything, it just made me really start looking at it and asking myself more questions and more questions and looking at why I believed the things that I believed. So my family on my dad's side, we love jokes about how cheap we are. And <laughs> when you when you look at how cheap you are, it's harder to make money because if you're not willing to pay others then why would people be willing to pay you? And again, it it was just a lot of questions like that. And what I find is that this moment, this really aha moment came several years ago, but even to this day, I will find new beliefs. Even just this past summer, I realized that while I was responsible with money, I didn't feel like I was responsible enough with money to be wealthy because I got to a point that I thought, well, I don't know what to do with any more money after this. So it's, it's really investigating all of those, all those beliefs that are underneath. I think it's so interesting too, that when you, when you investigated that for yourself, it led to a career change for you too. And I think the, the interesting thing there is that you were actually working in the realm of financial planning and and financial responsibility, but it changed who you serve and how you serve them. So what prompted that, that discovery or that change for you? Yes. So exactly. I was looking at building my own business. I really wanted to teach people how to budget, how to live within their means, because I knew that a lot of people had credit card debt, had other student loan debt, 
mortgages, car loans, and so many people were talking about how to get themselves out of debt. And so I really thought that I was going to start a business teaching them how to budget and how to live within their means. And it was once I realized that I had my own emotional hangups around money, even though I didn't have all this debt, that I realized I could help someone create a budget, but it would basically just be numbers on paper if we didn't take the time to look at what their thoughts and beliefs around money were. And so when, when I've talked about my own intermission, one of the first steps that I went through was really digging into my identity and the beliefs that I held about myself and who I was in the world. You know, your financial identity is part of that. Why do you think money carries so much emotional weight for people? Oh, gosh. I mean, you can see this in our society. There is so much pressure to get a good job that pays well. And we talk about that. Get a good job that pays well and has benefits. And then on the other side, we have this belief that rich people are greedy and slimy. And so how do you decide between, well, how much is too much? Like, get a good job that pays well, but don't get one that pays too well. Because if you get one that pays too well, people might see you as rich. And if they see you as rich, then you're going to be one of those gross people. And that that is one of the most basic underlying things just in our society. And that doesn't even take into account your family beliefs and the consideration that your family is the combination of two different families. And each of those families had their own money beliefs there's a lot of push and pull with money. Yeah. And I think money also is loaded because it also determines, you know, your, your comfort and your stress level in life too. I think in terms of, you know, can I, can I pay my bills every month? Do I feel strapped to pay off my debt every month? There's a lot of emotion associated just with what, what money affords us in our lives too. There's a lot of fear that comes with money. And most people just want to feel financially secure. And they think that once they reach a certain number, so so many dollars in the bank, that then they will be financially secure. And the thing is, financial security is really all in your your head and in your in your body, for lack of a better term, but just how how you feel about the fear of it. There's no number in the bank that's going to make you feel financially secure. It's a mindset. Because I do think money feels like that tangible thing that if I just hit this level, then I would be happy. So when you work with people, how do you help them unpack and dissect their, their relationship and attitude towards money so they can see how it impacts their decisions? So I, I've done a lot of work with entrepreneurs and specifically women entrepreneurs. And a lot of times the first place that we start is What's the worst thing that's going to happen if you're really successful? Like beyond the success that you want, what's the worst thing that's going to happen? And that sounds like a really funny question because you assume that most people are afraid of failing, but really oftentimes it's the fear of success that prevents us from moving forward and doing the things that we know we need to do to actually make money. And, and so that fear of success question a lot of times leads to, well, if I became really successful, people would see me. And if people saw me, then I would start getting the haters and they would start tearing me down and I would be attacked and then I would be left with nothing. So being too successful 
leads to the exact same result as failing is that I'll be left with nothing. Or, you know, it might be if I become too successful, I'll never be home and I'll end up getting divorced and I'll never see my family. So I lose my family if I become successful. And that's often the, the place that I will start with my clients is what's the worst thing that will happen if you become successful. And then we kind of dig into, into the beliefs under that. Mm -hmm. Well, and I think some of those beliefs, those beliefs are what limit us in terms of taking the risk or stepping forward because we, we are already undermining ourselves. I feel like right now, because of the pandemic and the economic uncertainty for a lot of folks there, there's also this real legitimate fear of scarcity that, that people, I think sometimes would answer that question. What am I afraid of? If I fail, there is this fear of everything would be gone. If I take a risk right now and step outside of my job or try something new, if I fail, there are some serious consequences in terms of my, my well-being. So what would you say to folks that, that are, are worried about the economic uncertainty at this time, as they think about taking a new risk that would impact them financially? Well, the first thing, of course, because I was going to start my business with budgeting is to make sure that you have all of your unnecessary debts paid off. So um, personally, I think that it's okay to have a mortgage and a car, car loan within reason. But before you take that big leap, make sure that your credit cards are clear, that your credit score is in a good place, and that you have your at least six months worth of savings. The second piece I would say is if you really want to start a business, I think it's a great idea to start it while you're working because then you don't you're not feeling so desperate that you have to make this business work. This business has to work or we're going to lose our house and then that gets the fear cycle going and that's not a positive place to make anything. So so starting your business while you're working knowing that it's viable before you take the leap of leaving your business. And it might even be asking if you can scale back to part-time so that you start shifting the balance between full-time job and part-time business to full-time business, part-time job, and just gradually move into, into your business. And that way there's not so much pressure and you're not coming from a place of fear. In your clients, when you, when you talk about primarily working with women, are there unique financial considerations or different financial relationships with money that you find that women have? And why, why are women your, your target audience for your work? <laughs> the truth of the matter is that the way that I coach is that I repeat back to the clients what I hear them saying, and I might take it a step beyond what they actually said to what they might be thinking. And I say it in sort of a statement slash question way. And a woman will take that, what I've said, and she'll look at it. She'll turn it around, you know, turn it over in her hands kind of and say, is that what I was thinking? And they'll either say, no, it's not quite like that. It's more like this. Or they say, yeah, that's exactly it. And then they go a step deeper. And what I found is that when I work with men and I put it back to them, they take the next five minutes to tell me why I was wrong and why I misunderstood them and that I just completely have no clue what I'm talking about. 
<laughs> and I haven't figured out, I personally haven't figured out how to coach men, I guess would be the best way to say it. Knowing who you really want to serve and, and who your style suits as well. I think that's, that's important to know also. So when you work with women and you find that you're, you're starting the conversation with them around money and some of their beliefs around money, what are some of the patterns that you uncover in terms of what money represents and how does it tie to other parts of their identity that has shaped their, their beliefs about themselves as well as their beliefs around money? So what I find, and, and I like this quote, is that how you show up in one place is how you show up in every place. And so how you're showing up with money and if you're equating money with your self-worth, then you're probably equating something else with self-worth. And so another piece that I often see come up is, oh, I need to lose these 10 pounds and then I'll be, oh, I just need to get this other set of credentials and then I'll be. And so there's, there's so much of once I attain this thing, then I can. And honestly, what it, a lot of times it boils down to is then I will be, for lack of a better term, perfect. And once I am perfect, then I will deserve to have what I want. And oftentimes what I want is I will deserve to be loved. So while it looks like I'm working with money, by the time we boil it down, it just becomes this little kid inside who just really wants a hug and wants to be loved. And money to our adult brain feels like that thing. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that makes sense. I mean, money, money is the tangible way it shows up, but I can imagine that it's tied to so many other beliefs that we hold about ourselves. You also said that you work a lot with entrepreneurs. Um, and so I think of those as women running their own businesses. What about women who are currently working a job in, in an organization, but they're looking for ways to, for advancement, either that means a, a promotion or a job change or just a salary increase. What strategies would you recommend for them in advocating for themselves and, and promoting change in that way. One of my favorite, least favorite statistics is that men will apply for a job if they meet 60% of the qualifications. Women will only apply for the job if they meet 100% of the qualifications. And if you tie that into the statistic that women are making generally 75 to 80 cents on the dollar to what men are making, you can see that, yes, there is probably some top down of women being offered less, but I think there's also some bottom up where the women aren't going for those bigger jobs because they're not meeting all of the qualifications. So there's a lot of self-confidence that goes into applying for a promotion. And so that's a big piece is that understanding that you don't have to know everything and you'll probably never know everything, mm -hmm. and that you're very capable of learning. And that's how you got to where you are now. And once you get into that job, you'll learn what you don't know. So there, there's a really big piece of that confidence, but there's also just the going for it. You just have to go for it. And sure, you might get turned down, but if you don't go for it, you will absolutely get turned down. Mm -hmm. So I think, I think the big part for women in careers is go for it. If you meet 60% of the qualifications, heck, if you meet 50%, just go for it. The worst they can do is say no. Mm -hmm. In your work, what are the biggest patterns that you see with clients that might help other people if they are going through a transition, a financial transition, or they're trying to reconcile their relationship with money? If you're familiar with Byron Katie's, the work, 
she takes you through a series of questions. And the reason I bring this up is that when it comes to money and transitions, fear is usually the ruling emotion. I don't know if I should make choice A or choice B because there's no certainty, but if I go with the certainty, I might not get what I want. So so it's ruled by fear and we make most of our decisions based on fear. And so the reason that I like Byron Katie's work is that you can take the belief that you have of let's let's take for example um when I invested in a coaching a coaching program for my own business and after I did it while I knew that it was what I needed, it was such a big financial investment that I sort of went into this hole of like, oh God, I will never pay this off. I have financially ruined my family. I mentioned that I had emotional, emotional hangups <laughs> on money, <laughs> but I also know how to pull myself out of it. So here's where Byron Katie's work comes in is that you can look at that fear of I financially ruined my family and you can question it and ask, is that true? And can you know for certain that that is true? And she has you turn it around. And so from that, I started looking at ways that I could pay this off, even if it didn't pay off in the way that I expected it to pay off. So for me, of course, I expected this business coaching investment to pay off through my business becoming successful. But if it didn't, I realized I could go get a job. Sure, maybe one that I didn't necessarily want, but I could go get a job and I could easily pay off this investment. And I did not, in fact, financially ruin my family, which made me then step out of a place of fear and be able to move forward. And I see that a lot with my clients is if we're making choices from fear, we don't always make the best choice. On that question of, is it true? I think that's such a great question to ask ourselves and especially to take us to that next level of, is that true? And if it's not true, then what's behind that? And, and digging into deeper levels of inquiry about what's at the root. Exactly. Yep. I think the biggest thing that I would say is anytime you feel stuck, like you can't move forward to just start getting curious, to start asking questions, just like I did in that student parking lot with the Maserati of why do I believe this? And then getting getting curious and really digging down into the curiosity. And what's the worst thing that will happen if I'm successful? Those those are my my key questions. Mm-hmm. If people want to learn more about your work and what you're up to, what are the resources that you offer and how could they get in touch? Uh, you can follow me on LinkedIn at Leandra Foster, or you can check out my website at alonlife.com. And we'll put those links in the show notes as well so that people can easily find you. Leandra, thanks so much for taking the time today. And I appreciate all the work that you're doing in service of helping other people succeed, especially with their relationships with money. Thank you. It's been my pleasure. And thank you for joining me on the My Intermission podcast. If you've enjoyed the first six episodes, I'd love to hear from you. Make sure you like or subscribe but also leave me a review so I can learn more about how these conversations are supporting your own intermission. Until next time, this is Colleen Stanovich with My Intermission.